0: Ladies and gentlemen, here we are, woo, Friday episode, feeling good, feeling great. When you're listening to this, I'm actually going to be in a car or truck driving with my oldest son down to uh, my new farm. And finally, here it is, end of August, finally, I'm going to be getting some trail cameras out. And I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what is on this property. Mac, are you excited? How excited are you? How excited are you? Okay, go. Woo! (laughs) He needs work on that. But anyway, uh, I'm fired up. Uh, to take him and just show him the ropes a little bit about what, I, what I'm what i going to be doing up there. Uh, I got a mineral site that's been soaking since August with Notra, or excuse me, since uh, March, uh, since the last time I was there, and I'm going to freshen that up just a little bit. I know it's the tail end. Uh, of the of the summer and they're actually pretty close to stripping velvet at this point man I mean three weeks two weeks three weeks are going to start seeing um, hard horn pictures and so anyway I'm going to try to hit them at the tail end of the uh, mineral stations part of the the summer and just take a very quick inventory I'm going to be putting up trail cameras in the historically good spots out there and what I mean by that is fence crossings Uh, pinch points it's a relatively think of it as a hot dog bun low right in the middle and it's high on either side and uh it's uh it's a good good property man and i just hope you know i hope there's an absolute giant there and that would be awesome because i like giants i know you guys like giants too so that's what is on my plan today uh this friday and what are we going to be talking about today? T- today we got Sam Brown and Sam reached out to me through Instagram and he made a comment about one of the podcasts and it led to a conversation about where he hunts and how he hunts. And I know I've had some guys on to represent the Carolinas before, but not very many, right? I mean, we've had tons of guys from New York, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, even Minnesota, Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, uh, you know, the, the, the big States, even down along the South, right? We've had guys on this podcast, but for some reason there hasn't been very many people from, uh, North or South Carolina on this episode. And I had to change that. And so that's why I got a hold of Sam and, uh, that's why I got a hold of Sam and was like, "Hey, dude, uh, why don't you hop on the podcast and let's BS a little bit about hunting whitetails in North Carolina?" And that's what today's episode is about. So, I am really looking forward to uh, this. I was really looking forward to this episode because it's it's mountain and sea coast, right? So the Appalachian Mountains run through the west side of the state, and it kind of all goes downhill to uh, the Atlantic Ocean and uh, so there's a variety of different terrains there's a variety of different season states and regulations in accordance with you know those different terrains and landscapes and we talk about all of that today uh it's a really cool episode because it's just another hunter who i get to talk with in the united states on how they approach hunting whitetails and so uh baiting i I don't know if they can run dogs anymore but they can bait they uh, used to be able to run dogs um long rifle seasons and that's that's a typical southern type of uh uh, rules and regulations is long gun season so anyway uh awesome podcast coming your way let's do some commercials real quick if you're looking for a saddle before the season starts or you want to learn more about saddle hunting check out tethered's website tetherednation.com and there you'll be able to read up on all the different ways tips tricks tactics on saddle hunting along with taking a look at their products saddles saddle hunting accessories brand new lockdown right now uh is out go take a look at it Uh, next we have wasp broadheads Uh, if you guys have listened to this podcast at all wasp is my go-to broadhead it's been my broadhead man i want to say for 20 plus years now 20 20 plus years give or take a couple seasons where i stepped away from them but ultimately came back they're just I feel confident shooting a, a Wasp Broadhead. And uh, I have a discount code for them, NFC20. That gets you 20% off. Vortex Optics, another longtime partner of the Nine Finger Chronicles, um, they have the new Triumph HD uh, binocular out. Go to VortexOptics.com, read up on all of the really cool things about that, binoc- uh, that binocular. Uh, I'm going to say within the last five or six episodes, Uh, of the hunting gear podcast go check out the last one i did with vortex optics and if you want to watch the video version you can go to youtube and watch it and they actually show all of the all of the uh products that are new in the last year Uh, and so that's a that's a really good episode anyway vortexoptics.com go check out all their products really good company and their vip warranty above all things uh, you break it, bust it, slam it, eat it, poop it out, whatever. They, you put it in a box. They will send it back to you for free, completely fixed. Uh, cool. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So I've gotten two. I've gotten two mock scrapes out, and I got two more waiting to get set out. Maybe three more waiting to get set out on this new property that I'm going to tomorrow. So I'm really looking forward to getting the mock scrapes set up. And uh, we're going to, we're, we're doing that with Code Blue Ropadope. And so if you want to learn more about all of the different scents that Code Blue offers, go check out CodeBlueSense.com. And again, I have a discount code NFC20. Uh, really, you know, another another company that, that I work with with some really amazing people behind it. Uh, the Woodman's Pal. I will be using the Woodman's Pal this week, uh, tomorrow as well, to hack basically trail camera lanes, hack down all of the, you know, hack down all the, all the weeds, hack down all of the, uh, the, the, the bushes and stuff to clear a nice lane for a really good trail camera picture. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome, man. I'm really looking forward to, to getting my cameras out and using the Woodman's Pal to, it's to do that made in america it's a habitat tool it's basically this big heavy duty machete uh, that you can keep in your pack you can keep in your truck and it allows you to uh just clear whatever you need cleared. uh next on the next on the list huntworth and they are running a sale right now i gotta go i gotta go pull this up once um huntworth huntworth Huntworth, Huntworth, Huntworth. Anyway, they're they're running a sale right now on their website, and I believe there's a pretty major discount with. Uh, I gotta do this, and I'm sorry, this is unprofessional. Huntworth, Huntworth. Oh, fall sale upcoming. Here we go. Uh, it's the black Friday in August sale so go check it out um, it is going to be a here it is. yeah so uh, black Friday in August go check it out it's happening right now you're gonna be able to get a discount on a lot of Huntworth clothing and uh, man I've, I've had it in my hands it is very very high quality and it's very affordable so uh, go check out uh, Huntworth's lineup other than that We are good to go. I'm looking forward to this episode. I'm looking forward to tomorrow spending some time with my son, uh, getting some trail cameras out. And last but not least, man, I'm just, I love nature. I love being outside and I'm looking forward to that. So uh, good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll see you on the back end. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. And today I am joined by Sam Brown of North Carolina. Sam, welcome to the show. How are we doing today?
1: Thank you. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good deal. Excited to be on here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. You reached out to me through Instagram, and uh, we had a, uh, a little bit of an exchange there, and I was like, "Hell, just come on, and let's talk about it, and uh, um, before we get into today's episode, the meat and potatoes and whatever, why don't you talk to me about where you live in North Carolina, and what do you do for a living?
1: Um, so I live in the central part of North Carolina. I'm about an hour southeast of Raleigh. Um, I... um. I deer hunt here. I deer hunt in basically three counties. Okay. Two that are right here in the central part of the state and then another county further down east. Okay. Um, I actually work for North Carolina State University. Okay. Um. Yeah, on, um they have a farm out on Lake Wheeler Road, um, and there's a feed mill that services a lot of the animals um, that are on, some are on trial. So we have a big dairy farm out there. Okay. Um, They make their own ice cream. Now that's the big thing is the Howland Cow uh, Creamery. Okay. And uh, we make feed for a lot of the animals out there. We also do um, research feed for Smithfield Foods, Purdue, um, you know, Tyson. Um, we've not done much for Tyson. But, you know, a lot of the bigger um, feed and uh, feed at animal companies out there yeah. so we do basically research feed for the okay for
0: that. all right yeah i used to work uh in a tyson facility i was a contractor uh for a handful of years where i was in charge of the sanitation crew and so they would bring mm-hmm. in the live chickens or the live turkeys they'd slaughter them and then by the end of the conveyor belt they're nice clean yep. chicken breasts or whatever mm-hmm. and so we had to go in and, and clean it up so the feed that you're making or doing research on goes to feed the animals that eventually get slaughtered. No, no. Okay, no, very,
1: right. no. some some make it there. This is mainly for animals that are on our on our campus. I say campus, but it's okay it's on farm on there. Um, some of it, some of the animals do make it there, but it's not. We're kind of just a lot of times if the animal goes to slaughter, our feeds just a section a section of their life. So basically, okay. you know. We may they may be doing a starter feed so when the chicken or the swine is small, they may test that and then later on they just go on normal feed and they go to the slaughterhouse. Um, a lot of our feeds though go they stay right on the, the
0: okay, site and all right. So you're small. Y- yeah,
1: mm-hmm. okay, yeah. all right. We do make like I said, I, we do make feed for Smithfield Foods for their research plant, okay. one of their research stations. Um, that's a pretty that's a bigger, um, a bigger you know facility so yeah. we do make about 24 tons a week for them that goes down there and those animals will eventually go to slaughter but um gotcha. most of it's just in-house you know mainly our professors and our grad students their projects they're working on to get their master's or phd and they come up gotcha. with a plan and we make the feed for that it, it may not even have the feed may not even be you know what's being tested it could be environmental issues um you know different maybe uh, a taste that goes into the feed or maybe, you know, drinkers, they'll do really very simple stuff like uh, feeders and drinkers and things okay. like that. So it's pretty, you, interesting. I'm, I'm, I've been trying to get them into making deer feed yeah. like mineral blocks. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah.
0: you're, you're kind of in the research and development area. Yes. Okay. Yes. For, for feeds. Okay.
1: Well, we have some like bottom big time vitamin companies will come and they'll have a new product. And basically sometimes we'll do what they call a stability test. Mm-hmm. So we will run it through our pellet mill and see if the enzyme will survive the actual process of pelleting. Because you add steam to mash feed, and then you know, extrudes through the pellet mill, and makes the pellet like you see at your you know at, the, at your store, your normal you know layer feed or whatnot. But actually, there's so much heat involved in that you got to make sure that your enzyme will actually survive the actual process.
0: Gotcha. So and so that we'll they can that they can claim on the package that they have whatever enzyme or whatever uh, thing through the process they don't lose that in the process of turning it from a i don't know the the raw material into an actual pellet
1: exactly okay um, and, and you can lose and you can lose some like there's a there's a you know ratio you can have um you know if you put in 100 and you come out with 90 that's pretty good you know, gotcha um, okay and stuff like that so that's that's a lot of more of the um kind of hiring stuff that we do is we you know doing stability trials for different uh, enzymes or phytase or any product that a new company wants to come up with. um, It's pretty hard to get a chicken any bigger than they are right now. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of – you're kind of hitting that wall. You're starting to see a big turn going toward um, environmental issues with inside the, like, farms or, you know, carbon footprint, stuff like that. Um, Hemp starting to come along with using some hemp products and try to not only – replace other things in a diet but also animal welfare and like does cbd actually calm the birds down yeah and give yeah. you less stress on them and stuff like that so there's a lot of move towards um some things like that but um the problem with a lot of that stuff is it's hard to be cheaper than corn oh yeah you know it's yeah. um even when you got byproduct stuff like um you know, maybe a hemp byproduct or just other byproducts. We're like, hey, let's not put this in the landfill. Let's put it back into the feed. Mm-hmm. The problem is to render that is so much more expensive than just grinding, you know, picking corn and grinding it, put it in yeah. the feed. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I watched a documentary on chickens and turkeys, and from yeah. the I think it was more focused on chickens. But from the time mm-hmm. they're born to the time they're slaughtered is a you know like eight months. Or something like that and in that eight month period they grow so fast their breast meat they've been genetically engineered to grow so fast that they can't even walk at the end because they're they're so weighted forward because of their breasts their uh, the meat on their breasts that uh their legs haven't developed to and they're basically force-fed i mean mean, just ridiculous amounts of food at all times and uh, it's very interesting and And it is, makes me say, you know what? I'm glad I eat as much deer meat as I do because, (laughs) you know, it's like, I know that there's no, you know, that deer didn't get some kind of antibody or vaccine or it wasn't eaten just like straight medicine all its it's whole life, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, I still do eat chicken breast from the store, but uh you know knowing where deer meat comes from makes everything else sound just not as good
1: oh yeah oh yeah yeah i know what you mean i got um my biggest hurdle with deer meat has been my wife um oh, okay but she the deer burger though we're good on that okay like, she can put it in spaghetti put it in tacos so she's like as much deer burger as you can get um she'll eat you know like um a lot of times I'll cut the back strap up, make little steaks, throw them on the grill, mm-hmm. and she'll eat that. But she, you know, the 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 ham. Now most of my deer goes this burger. Yeah, and not bought hamburger in three years. Yeah, and um, and um, that's you know, um, now I could buy a lot of just straight ribeye with the money i spent on deer hunting. But at least <laughs> there's a little there's a little return in investment because my, my wife's pretty sharp and she sees the trail cams come to the door and the broadheads <laughs> and. I'm like, well, yeah, but babe, like we didn't buy hamburger this year. He's like, yeah, but you know, um, that's still pretty wise.
0: Yeah. That, that, (laughs) that price per pound. I think one, one deer that I did it on was like, okay, how much money do you think you spent this hunting season to acquire this meat? Right. And so I think the, the year I shot three deer and that's three deer And I don't process anything myself. I take it to a processor to get the sticks made and and grind it up. Basically, I just shoot the deer, put it in the truck, take it to the processor. They do everything for me. And I think it was like $8.80 per pound of deer meat. And so that's way more than beef. That's even the (laughs) the leanest, leanest, cleanest uh, uh, ground beef there is. And so it's like yeah. almost double it. And so it's yeah. it's yeah. more for fun, obviously.
1: It is, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. Um it, it's nice to get that, you know, bring the price down a little bit, but yeah. you're probably talking cents yeah, and exactly. not dollars. Exactly. Um, especially when if um you know, we have a long season here. Yeah. Um and the it gets toward the end. If I've not shot a deer or a buck, I get more and more like, all right, it's time to, you know, really get after it and, right. and you know, kind of playing catch up.
0: Yeah. And that's a perfect transition. Cause I want to talk about yeah. North Carolina, you know, uh, North and South Carolina. Uh, I, I just don't get a lot of people on the podcast talking about those states. However, I, I have not necessarily, I've heard not so good things about South Carolina, but I have heard okay things about North Carolina. And so um, it's good to have you on to open the doors and shed some light on uh, North Carolina. And what I'd like to do is start with uh, season dates. And so Mm -hmm. why don't you fill us in on when your season starts and and when your season ends?
1: Yeah. So, um, it used to be three zones. I think we're down to two, basically eastern and western. I'm in the eastern zone. Okay. Um. So our bow season will come in this year September 9th. So it's always the second Saturday in September. Okay. For the eastern part of the state, um, the western part, I'm not as familiar with. I know their gun season is mid, maybe second week in November. But as far as eastern goes, our bow season, like this year, come in September 9th. So it's either eighth, ninth, tenth. You know that you know mm-hmm. second weekend in September range. Um. Our rifle season comes in about October sixteenth, seventeenth, that range, and stays in. Both of them will stay until January first. Wow! Um, so so you have
0: season. a you have a three like two and a half month rifle season.
1: Right? Yeah. Yes, rifle season and, and black Power is comes in two weeks before that, so it comes in around October first. So yes, we have a very long rifle season.
0: Firearm um, season in general and
1: yeah firearm in general yeah and yeah.
0: so you can bow hunt you can muzzle loader um you can bow hunt the entire time there's no off switch on archery no. okay
1: yeah, the only different you just have to wear orange hat once once gun season you know okay comes on you you have to wear orange but yeah you could bow hunt muzzle loader rifle the whole time basically weapon of choice
0: yep um, yep that. once they actually start and so yeah. and so i look at that coming from in my opinion, one of the best managed whitetail states in the in the entire nation of you know here in Iowa. Uh, and I listened to that and I would I just cringe because I know what would happen if they let's just oh, say yeah. did that in Iowa. It would it, it would yeah. be over in one season. yeah And so yeah. what are your thoughts on uh, those tight ty- you know even the archery season? like what are your thoughts as a, as a hunter? about those season dates and the length of the firearm season.
1: Um, And like in the, so the Western part of the state, their firearm comes in, like I said, I think this year's, I I meant to look it up, but I have a buddy that lives in the Western part of the state and it's always like November 13th, 14th, somewhere in that kind of right in the peak of the rut, but maybe even a little on the back end. Subsequently, there's actually bigger deer in that part of the state Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Now, I do think there's a little bit more um, just better minerals and soil on that kind of side of the state, it seems to. Um, like, if you look at our records of deer, most times a lot of the western and northern states have the bigger deer. Um, but getting back to the seasons, um, if you really want to cringe, Dan, up until 2018, so was, so in 2017, we were a four-buck state. <laughs> and now we're two-buck state. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so, so we had
1: um basically we had two antler tags, two antlers tags, and two hunters' choice tags. Gotcha. So 2007, I would say 90% of those hunters' choices were going to be bucks, though. Right. Um, for the most part. Um, so they I'm have looking bumped that down to
0: two. Okay, yeah, down
1: to two. Yeah, uh, they bumped it down to two, and even in five years, I've seen a definite good shift of you know mature bucks, bigger horns you know, um, in the lab, just going from four bucks to two. Yeah. Is that really kind of, it kind of gives you that. All right, let me, you know, I can shoot whatever I want, but now, all right, now I'm going to, I'm going to hold out for that bigger deer. Yeah. So therefore you allow some two and a half, three and a half year olds to kind of, you know, slip through, um, as far as our seasons go, like I said, archery, there's, I know a lot of people that that deer hunt, but, Mm -hmm. um, very few that archery hunt. And even fewer that actually are very serious about it. I've got some guys that'll take the bow. They'll go out once or twice. It's so hot here. Like, yeah. it's 97 today with 140% humidity, it seems like. Um, even September 9th and 10th, you're still – the humidity will start to wane, you know, end of August, you know, in September. But it's still hot. Right. Um, and I see all the, like, you know, the mobile setups people have. And I got people like, do you mobile hunt? I'm like, no. Cause I just, the (laughs) thought of putting sticks up me, it's all I need is to walk to my permanent stand and climb the ladder and get in my lock on. Yeah. I'm just covered in sweat and the mosquitoes. So, um, a lot of people that do hunt, they, they, you know, they'll take advantage of certain cooler days, but you're still talking 88, 85, like an 80 degree day, September 10th is, you know, you're doing good. Yeah. So
0: So I'm looking at, uh, the map of North Carolina and where is the split? Uh, because I'm looking at satellite imagery where is the split of is it like Durham or Raleigh or
1: it is it'll be further west from that Um, okay Durham and Raleigh is still in the eastern somewhere I'm not exactly sure where the split is um I want to say Greensboro around Yeah, it's it's yeah yeah so in Greensboro you you get in the western part okay into the western there yeah so what is the difference
0: in um topography and just like Uh, maybe there's one side has ag and i i know that the appalachian mountains run through the western part of the state so break it down and and do you feel that those season dates and the tag allocations um are decent regarding the top the topography and and the different you know landscape
1: yeah. So, as you know, one of the reasons people like North Carolina is you have the beach mm-hmm. and we have the outer banks. We have the beach on one end and you have the mountains on the other end. Mm-hmm. So, you have wide range of, you know, the Appalachians, they're not like the Rockies or anything, but they're still mountains. We got, as you get into the foothills, so like that Greensboro area you just saw, as you get close to the mountains, you start getting rolling hills and you get some topography. Um, the coast is pretty flat. Um, we have a lot of, uh, pine forests, a lot of like you know planted logged you know timber Mm -hmm. in the eastern part of the state like i've not hunted much in the western part at all i've actually never hunted in the west i've been through there um and i got i got buddies that hunt up there i hunt mainly in the east and it's a lot of ag here it's a lot of ag and timber so you do have pockets of really high deer densities um i think that was in the 2000s that was one of the reasons for the higher tag allocations was because you had a lot of just a high density of deer. Okay. And, you know, growing up in my, where I live now, there was, there wasn't very many deer though. Now down east where I hunt in the county, I hunt down east there was, so we, that, me and my dad would travel down there. It's about an hour, hour and 10 minutes from our house. We would travel down there and hunt. Um, now there's deer everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's deer in the suburbs, there's deer in Raleigh, there's deer, you know, there's deer everywhere. And I think the Irm um, wildlife commission is the NC wildlife commission i think they saw like hey we need to bump back our buck numbers i think that's the best thing they've done in yeah. the past 10 years is go from four to two i'm fine i'm fine with there being two um i'm lucky enough to have me and my father have multiple permission pieces that we hunt we have a family farm um so like even four as crazy it sounds when we have 12 different places to hunt i remember when it went from four to two i'm like oh no what what the hell and yeah. then. You know, the more i thought about it, i knew like overall this would be much better for the state um yeah me personally i could kill two or three my dad could kill two or three and we probably wouldn't even kill him on the same farm but um overall i mean you can literally see the you know used to, and north for my part of north carolina you know 120s and 130s you're shooting he's going on the wall yeah um I'm starting to see more, but now I'm seeing multiple 120s and 130s. We had a 155 on our camera at my dad's house a few years ago, really nice nine-pointer. The neighbor ended up shooting him, and they said he scored 155, which was the biggest deer we've ever had on camera. Um, He was a nice deer. So my biggest thing is probably if I could change one thing. Like I said, we're a bait state. We were a four-buck state. We have long – you know, rifle seasons, firearms. Even in the western part, even in November, they're still going November and December. Yeah. Um.
0: And so, and you're saying though that the eastern uh, part of the state, when it comes in October 16th, there's a reason for that. The reason is higher deer numbers because of all the agriculture.
1: I believe so. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. I think that. And then just um, at the time and. One, one of the actually big things what i was about we used to run dogs we used to run deer with dogs okay. down east yeah and that was it was actually really fun like yeah. people want to poo poo it was it's so it was so much fun it was back in the 90s and early 2000s we, we quit in 2006 or 7 just because land became you know back in the 90s you know seven people owned all the land that we deer hunted mm-hmm. by 2005 now there's you know 30 people that own all the land and some people don't want you hunting and um so but there was a big push by you know when 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 legislature came up the dog hunters and the deer hunters had a lot of sway and wanting that season to come in early a lot of the farmers you know so like i said yeah that um that definitely had um effect on the earlier deer season and growing up like that's all i've ever known you know running with dogs throw bait out you know yeah Yeah. have a good time but um what's it uh it seems now like is
0: is, uh is using dogs to hunt deer still popular or or can you still do it in north carolina
1: you can still do it in certain places um it's gotten so like i said there's you know we're we're, i think we're one of the you know top two or three growing states in the nation right now and people are coming in coming in coming in you're just losing land um and it's become where it's just not like when, when me it just became not not as fun anymore. Yeah. Um, because your dogs going on someone else's property. Now you got people pissed. You know, steel hunters are pissed, or you know, landowners are pissed. Yeah. Um, and you know, we and we had a really nice hunting club. I really liked all the guys. But you know, a hunting club is can be the biggest soap opera you've ever, ever seen. Yeah. To be honest, that's know? one
0: thing that you know of all of the, of all the conversations that I've had of people who are part of hunt clubs. Every, nobody talked nobody's ever talked about the drama that could potentially happen uh like i had one guy he said he's part of a hunt club he pays the same amount everybody else does but he's because he's the newest member he has to he's the last one that gets to pick where he wants like where he gets to shoot or uh, hunt and yeah. that means yeah. the worst possible place every year yeah and so basically they're just waiting for someone to undo the lease or die basically you know like leave the lease or leave the the hunt club and then he just bumps up when another person takes the the bottom spot again is is that how it works out there
1: no so um so i've been through various hunting clubs and and a lot of times you'll go and it's kind of first come first serve when it comes to steel hunting and by the way so in north steel hunting means sitting in a stand yeah. Even i know steel hunting can sometimes mean easing through the woods and stopping and stuff but, you know when we say steel hunting we mean just sitting in a, in a stand a, you know box stand lock on whatever um and when i was in the dog hunting club we just it was just you go up you have certain people that had the dog you go find a track you, could, you can shine at night here till 11 o'clock. You may have shined a buck the night before, you know, or go into a head of woods, turn the dogs out, they run the deer. Um, the steel hunting club I was in, it was kind of a you get there in the morning and there's, you know, you got tag and you got stands one through 15 with little a tag on it. And you go grab, you know, tag eight. Sorry, right, I'm going to eight. And um, so and they've been pretty civil, you know, like we, you always have drama, but it's like every few years, a lot of times we've had a bunch, I've been in a bunch of good hunting clubs that we were lucky enough that everyone's pretty civil. Um, Jealousy is probably the big thing um, is when certain guys, you know, just like anywhere else, when a guy's a really good hunter and he kills all the big deer, people start wondering why and oh he can't be doing you know he's got to be shooting at night or he's shooting after dark or doing something wrong no maybe he's just a really good deer hunter yeah (laughs) um and we kind of had that with some of the we had it actually had it with the dogs because we had a certain section of guys had really good deer dogs a certain section that had good deer dogs but not as good and there was actually jealousy between the guys that had good deer dogs and the guys that didn't and you know um and then oh, or even like oh they come down during the week yeah. and run dogs when no one else can instead of doing it on saturday you know stuff like that they got it all got hashed out but um yeah that's one reason me and my dad one reason we kind of got out of it we owned one or my grandmother owned one of the properties that we dog hunted it was 210 acres and as we kept losing land losing land um, and irony was our dogs kept getting better and better because we would run them during the summer at night keep them in you know keep them in shape and we had walker dogs and it just became where our dogs are just leaving the country. Like, they're running deer miles and miles away. Yeah. And um, and just all the drunk, we just we got out of it. And then some of the guys we dog hunted with, they took over the spot next to us. So, we're still kind of like me and my dad do our own thing. But, you know, I keep in touch with the guys. They have 600 acres beside us. So, we've got, you know, roughly 800 acres. We all kind of hunt together. Um, and so, that was around 2007. So, And then around 2016, I started bow hunting pretty okay. much exclusively okay and and so but yeah with all the hunting club drama dog running drama you know killing four being able to kill four bucks mm-hmm. and then baiting i actually put baiting so far down on things i worry about um just because when you have a two and a half month rifle season yeah you know, if, if you asking me, like, what would I change? I would like, and and I haven't. I, I I used to rifle hunt. My dad still rifle hunts. I'm going to come out and say, like, if something makes you happy when you're deer hunting, do it. Absolutely. You don't worry about what other people think. Mm-hmm. But um, you you, if you want big deer though, if you want to get to have a bigger, you know, get your bigger your age class up, you know, your antler sizes up, um. Yeah, I think they just backed our rifle season up, say November 1st. Even. Yeah. Um, you know, just back it up a few weeks, and that way you get that last week of October to where, you know, that's a really good time to hunt. Just like, you know, our rut's the same as, as, as y'all's. It's, mm-hmm. you know, November 7th, 8th, it is on, you know. Um, me and my dad have killed a lot of deer that last week of October.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I think my dad's killed. He's killed – and even he right now, he rifle hunts, but he's only – he's killed a buck like every three or four years. He's, he's in that, you know – He's not killing something unless he puts it on the wall. Um, and all this to say, I do think in my area here, a lot of guys have gotten very good about letting deer walk. I will say that. Like, even with the long rifle season, like, if you're one-and-a-half or two-and-a-half-year-old deer, this is the time to be a one-and-a-half or two-and-a-half-year-old deer in North Carolina because they get, you know, basket rack eights, get let go, six points, you know, young bucks. You know, of course, unless it's someone's first deer. Yeah. Um, but the, the long rifle season, it makes it tough for bucks to get through a hunting season yeah and maybe not even maybe even live but they've been run off your property or maybe your neighbor's just going after them hard and they you know even though they might make it through they may not be on your property we, we have some carry from year to year like i got bucks this year that i had last year that i'm kind of you know targeting and stuff like that my dad's got 11 pointer right now really cool looking deer um and but it's because me and my neighbors and, like, so, you know, me and my dad kind of split up our, our properties. Like, he hunts a few of them, him, you know, just him, then I hunt a few. That way we're kind of, you know, spreading the wealth a little bit. But his neighbors and him, they've got a plan. My neighbors, we kind of got a plan. And that's kind of how you have to do it is try to, you know. Yep. You know, everyone's good at letting the one and a half and year and a half deer walk. Now the next step is getting those three and a half year old deer walk. Um, And, I, I mean, I'm not very good about that because yeah. – i bow hunt so i'm like well i'm bow hunting so boom i stick them and yeah and i'm not killed that many deer with the bow like I, i've killed my one of my target bucks the last two years um year before last i killed a 122 my biggest deer and um i tried to stretch him to 125 as much as i could i yeah. <laughs> didn't quite get that three inches but um uh, <laughs> um last year i killed one of, um i killed on my target he was he was a three and a half year old deer but he had six inch brow tines yeah and just re- really cool deer and um So even I'm not, you know, immune to being like, you know what? It it was December 12th. It's getting late in the season. I want to kill a buck. And now I had, you know, that was on my 210 acre farm. So I had four or five other three and a half year olds that were about that same, you know, same size. So, um, yeah, um, but in North Carolina, the, the rifle season's kind of been the thing that's quote unquote holds us back from having really big deer because we do have the ag, we do have the timber. Um, and there have been you know big deer killed here There are just few and far between like yeah. those big i mean like i said 150 around here is huge
0: yeah so just to be clear then you hunt on the side of the state where the rifle season comes in at uh october sixteenth. October. okay All yeah. Right. yeah so with you being a bow hunter Right. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you have some properties that are uh, exclusive to you and your dad, or to you and your family. So, yeah. but but you're a bow hunter. Then, do those farms open up to additional people when the firearm season starts, or is it still just you on those farms? It's still just me. Okay. So then, the it's qu- still just me. yeah. So then the question I have is, how does the early (laughs) rifle season on all of your neighboring farms affect your property is it is it in a negative way or is it in a positive way
1: i've seen both um i can pretty much guarantee there'll be a new deer on my stuff around november Mm -hmm. um is that because of the rut is that because of pressure you know from other hunters um i don't know um so I, i've definitely seen more deer come onto my properties during those times um but like I, said, I can't really is it because of pressure or is it because of the rut don't really know um one of my properties though i will say i have a neighbor that hunts about 300 yards from my stand mm-hmm. that gun season is definitely negative because we're but we're so close together and he has shot a lot of deer and like so, you know it is his place. That's what i try to get him to maybe not shoot those three and a half year olds as much. Mm-hmm. He kind of, you know, does it. And it's, hey, it's what it, you got you to gotta live with it. So, yeah. but he, he's literally hunting 300 yards from my stand, mm-hmm. you know. I, but these are two small properties. These are two like 20 acre properties, but only about 10 acres of wood. So, yep. Um, that gun season really makes a difference because I try to hunt in early in the year so I can maybe get a deer. I, and I've shot my first deer I shot with a bow was out of this property. But it's all timber, it's on the swamp. It's got very good bedding. Um, Normally, the deer get to me first when they come out of the swamp. They would get to me first. Um, Last year, they did some logging on another property beside me, and where my property was kind of the middle, it became the edge. I gotcha. And they're doing a lot of logging. It kind of pushed the deer to him. So, um, and he he killed one. He killed a really nice deer. Um, He killed two. You know, he killed a three and a half year old and another really nice deer. So, um, that's where that early gun season he killed one of those in October. Um, so when you, you know, if you're kind of small, tight, to each other, that gun season yeah. is tough. Um, yeah. Especially in other places, smaller
0: parcels, you're gonna, you're gonna have more of an, you know, smaller parcels, more people hunting, uh, more people hunting, more pressure, more pressure, less deer movement. It, it's, you know, pretty simple.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. but, um, and, and, uh, a good example of my, the farm I have down East, um, It's 210 acres, and like I said, the people next to us, they got about a 600-acre farm. It's a really nice, really nice spot. I'm still really good friends with those guys. They timbered our land last year, okay. last summer. This, this certainly will be two years. So um, we didn't really hunt it that much because they were actually actively timbering deer and deer season two years ago, and we didn't want to put cameras up. We didn't want to lose our cameras. You know, we didn't go down there that much. This is where I actually killed my deer last year. It's the first time I hunted all year. The yeah. first time I hunted was December 12th last year. Um, And whenever you don't hunt a spot at all, man, you can really see, you really, you saw the cameras pop. Okay. Um, when all the neighbors are rough hunting and if they'd been bow hunting, it'd probably been the same thing, honestly, but when all the neighbors are hunting, we're not even going down there at all just because um, we had some bigger deer here. Um, and like this hour drive, you know, stuff like that. But then I did have my cell cam down there and um, it's a pretty cool story of We're carrying my son to Disney on Ice in Raleigh that Saturday. And I got the deer on the cell cam. I was gonna hunt there that afternoon and I got the deer on the cell cam that morning and I'm like I got to think I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to make it down there because we've got Disney on Ice, it's gonna be over at one. By the time I get home it's two. By the time I drive down there it's gonna be four. Yeah. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to go. Um but I was fine, I'll just hunt somewhere else. Um went to Disney on Ice, my son was terrified he was two at the time he was absolutely terrified of the disney on ice and so we left at intermission we left it at halftime at like 12. <laughs> little so little uh, uh,
0: silver lining right there
1: yes yeah. yes and I, my wife was not happy she was like i know what's, i know where he's going he's going to duplin and so that's where i yep. went and um but um but yeah as far as my properties go some of my ones right here around my house um most time you can bet on november the deer kind of come on to my stuff a lot more. Yeah. And um, if I'm not fresh them, they kind of stay there throughout the year. Gotcha. So well, that's a that's the same with my dad.
0: Yeah. That's a benefit. I mean, if you can play the patience game and you can stay off your farm and basically just use your cell cameras, even, you know, not to make instant moves, but just to say, okay, now's the time they're there now. Let Now it's time to hunt, especially when the pressure uh, is so high. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is the baiting. Okay. Do, mm-hmm. do you bait on the properties that you hunt?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Okay. And um, so, and so I take it that so do the neighbors.
1: Oh yeah. 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 It, it's, it seems like an, a cop out excuse, but when everybody else is doing it, you don't have to do it, but it, it makes it way harder on you. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say when you're bow hunting over bait, it's a lot different than rifle hunting over bait. Yeah. I have found where like, there's been a lot of times I'm like, I wish I didn't put any bait out mm-hmm. because now all these deer right here on top of me, I can't leave. I'm stuck here in the dark or I got a, a, a doe. I'm saying I'm doe hunting. I want to shoot a doe. And I'm like, well, there's now there's seven does on the corn pile. I can't even draw back Yeah, because there's always one looking at you. Um, and I will say, since I've started bow hunting with the bait, I have tried to kind of, and I listened to a podcast a few weeks ago with, with Zach Fernbaugh and the hunting public, and they were talking about using tactics, but like st- using some, some tactics with baiting or feeders or stuff like that. And not just a lot of people here, they go, they put out the corn and they yeah. just, the deer come to it. So they put a stand up, they put the corn out. Um, they get on the. We have a lot of power lines. They'll get on the power line, put the corn pile 200 yards away, put a box blind up. If they're really smart, they'll put their blind on the, you know, where they're downwind, you know, of predominant, you know, prevailing wind or whatever. But, um, most people just put corn out and then get in the stand. They don't have to worry about the wind because they're shooting 150, 200 yards away. Right. Um, right. I've tried to do like there's a property right here in my house. And a good example is it's a, um, i have a power line that runs you know runs through the middle of the property there's a bean field with a some bedding area in between wide quarter mile long stretch really thick stuff um and then there's a hedgerow at the top of that that separates my property from someone else's there's corn there's beans there's um a power line they all come together in this one spot um and i would i want to be able to hunt where if i get there and i'm at a corn, I, I would still hunt the place i really tried to change my strategy of there will be there they'll be there they'll be there anyway yeah but you know i'm gonna mm-hmm. sweeten the deal with the corn yeah um that's kind of my what i've been trying to do more because it was one of the things where all right you got a corn you're screwed yeah and um growing up and learning and like i said it's one of the things where I didn't even know, you know, baiting was a thing until I was 26 years old and got on, you know, social media, you know, yeah. growing up is just what everybody did. Yeah. It's a culture thing. It really is of, you know, we got a lot a lot of long logging lanes where you got skitter trails. So you go, you, you get in the timber, put a corn pile a hundred yards away, put a stand up, go hunt. And, um, and I've had fun doing that. You know, I think, you know, my idea on baiting right now, I'm, I'm going to give two thoughts on it. Baiting. changes natural deer movement. Yes. Um, It does. What degree? It all depends on the deer, the terrain, whatever, you know, pressure, that stuff too. So you are changing. And like I said, if you're one of the guys who goes and you find that, you know, hard mass or even an apple tree that deer are coming to, if he stops someone's corn pile 10 minutes to eat, he's not going to get to you daylight maybe you yeah. know and i think that's kind of the thing you know, when you deal with baiting the other thing though is really good for new hunters for young hunters mm-hmm. when you're carrying your kids when you're carrying new hunters to get them engaged and so it's a really good tool for that of carrying kids hunting so they can see deer I out to shoot deer like if you're just carrying your four or five year old to get them used to being outdoors they're not getting bored they get to see deer um I had a buddy that just started, he started hunting. He's 30 years old now, 31. He started hunting. Hey, funny, he's from Iowa. Okay. <laughs> he is from Iowa. He was in the military. He moved to North Carolina and didn't start deer hunting until he was in North Carolina. And I'm like, Nate, you live in the best state to deer hunt in the country. And now you come to North Carolina to learn to deer hunt. And um, he was from the northwestern part of the state. Yeah. I think Sioux Falls. I'm not exactly sure. But um. Yeah. anyway, one of his problems was as soon as he would see a deer, he, you know, he, he was trying to draw back and shoot just as soon as he saw the deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where, where a bait pile kind of helps you get used to being around deer, right. not just even shooting them, but you know, like, Hey, maybe drawing back and letting down or n- learning how to move whenever you got a deer 20 yards from. Yeah. Um, having said all that. And like I said, I baited, I do bait. My dad baits. It's a big thing. If they did away with it, I wouldn't be that upset. Yeah. Just because, I think I have a little bit of head start, but when you, when you, when you're bow hunting, no matter what you're doing, when you're bow hunting, you have to be thinking a couple of levels ahead. Yeah. And I think I would have a head start on, you know, being able to bow hunt without, without bait, just because I've been trying to lean that way anyway is yes, I put bait out, but I'm also finding the spot first. Mm-hmm. And then a good analogy of, you know, this bean field I'm hunting now where i where I put my corn pile at will be in the edge of the beans. Mm-hmm. There's three reasons. Yes, the first one is attractive I'm not going to deny that. The first one is to attract the deer to the corn. Um, the second one is I want to get him at 20 yards. Mm-hmm. I want to make a good shot. I want to get him close, you know, I'm the edge of a bean field, you know. Um, so I want to get him, you know, for a good close shot. Thirdly is on the edge of the beans. I learned this one time was if you put the corn pile too far in the beans, guess what? When they come out, you don't have a shot because the beans are so high here that – all you can see is their head Yep. around the edge around the edge of the bean field. That's where their brow is at. That's where the trees have sucked some of the moisture out. So your beans are just naturally lower. So you actually have a shot there. So I say that to kind of, I'm thinking about, I'm just not dumping corn out. Right. I'm kind of thinking like kind of strategically placing my corn for more than just, Hey, just come eat it. But because, Hey, I want to get them close. I want to get them where I can see them. Um, Upwind from you. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I'm um, saying that to be a little, like more strategic with the corn pile, but um, also to me, it's like when people put a mock scrape in a food plot mm-hmm. 20 yards away, that, they're doing it so that they got three acre plot. They want to get that deer though in bow range yeah. and, you know, more of a trap. And so, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm not saying they're the same, but that's what I'm, that's my, my thinking. Um, And then you made a good point about the wind I don't know if there's a. Sometimes I've had people have a misconception of bait of, oh yeah, you just put out bait and one just come out and you just shoot them on the corn pile. You very rarely shoot a big buck coming to eat on the corn. Mm-hmm. Um, he's coming there at night. Um, um, and and a lot of people like I, I've a lot of the bucks I've killed. They've they've been come to check. They've come to check the corn pile to check for those. Yeah, but. I'm putting it where he's coming down. He's gonna come downwind because he's gonna check it like a scrape. He's gonna come. He's not gonna come to the. He's not gonna come to the corn pile. Yeah. He's gonna come where he can see it or smell it. And that's another reason you set your corn pile up where. Hey, when he tried to get down into that corn pile, you come in between him and the corn. Yeah. Sometimes, a lot of people, some of the other guys at bow hunt, they'll actually back off their corn pile for 50, 60 yards. Yep. And not even see the corn pile. Yep. And they try to catch him slipping in between, get in between him and the corn pile. Um,
0: yeah. I know a guy. I believe it's Ohio. You can bait, uh, and yeah. and that's his strategy. Uh, is he'll yeah. put the he'll put the bait pile, you know, anywhere. I think he said between a hundred to sixty yards away from him. Yeah. Then he'll be way downwind of it, and he and he's like, I had to learn this the hard way several times. That the deer, the the bucks that I wanted to shoot. You know, I always had a shot to the corn pile, but the bucks that I w- was interested in were way far downwind of that, and so I'd see them, but then they'd bust me. So he he's mm-hmm. been, he's gotten really good at setting up bait stations in a location to where they have to walk between him and the bait pile, like right when they're starting to like I don't know J hook in towards it yep. or walk yeah. you know just to scent check it. He's found that location, and, and over the years, he's gotten really good at it. So, um, it's it's definitely you know to 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 use it as a tool, not just like, hey, I'm going to dump corn and I'm going to shoot it. To use it as a tool, um, there is a lot of thought and strategy involved in it.
1: Yeah, um, and that's the, the J hook thing. They'll J hook a corn pot. Even, even if you do. I, I had uh, he ended up getting shot the next year. He was about a one twenty five, one thirty inch deer and i i was in his bedroom he was on my cameras you know all day long and i finally i got the right wind went in to hunt him and he actually was coming to the corn pile at like nine in the morning and i don't know that the wind changed or thermal or just he was he was four and a half that year and he's coming you know perpendicular to the corn pile i'm like sweet he's gonna come in and all of a sudden he stops and he jay hooks yeah and he stops about 40 yards, and there's a – I didn't have a shot. All I could see was his head, and he just sits there, and he's looking around, looking around, and just kind of – you know, he said about 30 seconds. And I was like, well, he's fine. You know, he's going to come on in. And then he turns and walks off a little bit, all of a sudden you see him get frantic and just hold ass, blowing the whole way. He called, – I'm guessing it was a thermal mm-hmm. just because the wind should have been right all that morning. But it was just, – or just, you know, how them big bucks are. Yep. Um, there was a six-point that came in before him right, you know, perpendicular hit the corn piles and I was hoping that would draw him in, but he J-hooked in there because he could feel something that I, you know, I had, you know, the milkweed out. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem to be, you know, blowing that way, but it was, you know, I hadn't checked it in 30 minutes, so I don't know if it swirled or anything like that, but um, that's that was my first, like, you know, I can kill 90-inch deer on corn piles. You can kill does. I have killed some nice deer during the rut when they come in. When they're, when they're on a doe. Yeah. I think that's another thing you can, you know, have the doe drag the buck in with him. The problem when you're bow hunting is a lot of times he's chasing her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may only I, – I, I can't tell you how many times I've had him come in, my target buck come in, but he's, you know, pushing this doe and I see him for 10 seconds. yeah, And then he runs her off the corn pile and then they're gone. So yeah, that was one of my um, – you know, a, a lot of people – you know, with a rifle you have a little more – forgiveness if you make get a shot off at him you know especially if you hear him coming or something like that um i had a buck last year was chasing does and he got you know 13 yards behind the tree i'm really glad i didn't shoot him because he's actually blown up he's a he's maybe pushing 140s this year i think oh nice um he was about 15 120 last year and he was behind this tree and the same thing like he was pushing those push, but when i find when he finally stopped i just couldn't get a shot yeah and um he ended up you know going off but um so yeah, I've been trying to do a little more, just not going dumping corn out. Um, obviously, like you know, I've put I've put out corn in cornfields. Yeah, before you yeah. know, there's a cornfield's that got corn already. Um, so I go put out corn in the cornfield just to try to get them in bow range. Yeah. Um And here, and like I said here, this early I, I try to bow hunt early in the year, September, and then obviously during the rut, because um, right here our beans stay green. Through, you know the first few weeks of september so and they rather eat beans than corn right now like you yeah. know, a lot of times i don't bait a whole lot in early bow season because it's really hot and they rather have the beans yeah. so um and that's one thing that the rifle hunters don't get to do is hunt the bean fields as much hunt the green now you know later in the year if it's really cold that they, they you know because they're not they don't really eat the beans the actual beans a whole lot here unless it gets really cold in december gotcha um we don't have very harsh we don't have very harsh winters here. So a lot of times they'll eat them, but they're not like, it's not like when you get that minus 10 and all the, all the deer in the whole, you know, farm come to the bean field, you know, you may get them browsing through it. But, um, so I do get the advantage of hunting the beans early season. The corn we do have here, there's not a whole lot planted right where I live. It's picked pretty early. Like most time it's picked in September. Yeah. And then it's so warm either it is eaten or it actually, you know, germinates and regrows and you you know yeah, actually the corn's gone within 10 days of it being harvested yeah it's either something's eating it or you know it's already re-sprouted so um early season i hit those beans um this year what i want to try to do now i have i have a newborn at the house so my strategies of everything
0: are, are <laughs> revolves around that one yeah i get it yes i get it
1: yeah um um what i want to do this year is hunt the uh the old october lull because and when we talk about that, I, I firmly believe there is a law if you have food plots or corn piles. Yeah. If you can look at your camera and you can – it's like flipping a switch. When them acorns hit the ground – yes, I say acorns, North Carolina. When them <laughs> acorns hit the ground, them deer will step over that corn pile to go get those white oaks. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, that happens kind of before that gun season. So, this year – once again, now, will I put bait out at some white oak trees? Yes, probably, but I want to kind of get in the timber and find some of those. I, I've been, you know, marking them on my map and finding some because that, that, it actually is a very frustrating time to bow hunt because it seems like, all right, the, you know, the the bucks are, you know, re- redistributed everywhere. Mm-hmm. You kind of got what you're going to get in October. And oh man, I got this nice buck. He's coming to my corn pot, then he just cuts off. Yeah. It's because he's staying in the cover. And, you know, like I said, it's more of a, october shift than october low yeah but um if you're going by your cameras on a cornball it is because they kind of yeah they'll come to it but it's no longer a destination food source right for them right do you guys
0: get uh any snow by chance
1: not deer and deer season um very few times we if we get snow most time it's in january or february we've gotten a few slight snowstorms in december um i will say last year at christmas it got like down to nine degrees mm-hmm. with like 20, 30 mile per hour winds. That's the coldest. I didn't deer hunt it. was so cold. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's kind of the coldest you will see around here. But um, honestly, when it gets like that, a lot of times the deer will just hold up. They won't yeah. move as much because they know, hey, in three days, it might be 70 degrees again, yeah. to be honest. We've had, like, last year it was like 10 degrees at Christmas. Five or six years ago, it was 77 degrees on Christmas Day. Yeah. You kind of never know what you're going to get with that. So yeah. – um now we had like four or five days of cold so it it was by end of that it was actually really good deer hunting But a lot of times you get one or two cold days they don't they may not move as much because they'll just kind of hole up because they know that it's not going to be sustained
0: yeah i hunted a property uh, here in iowa one time and and i just want to this this is kind of my example of baiting so i hit him Mm -hmm. i i used up all my vacation i was one of the only hunter like i know i i was the only guy hunting the property at the time and so i hit this buck and i couldn't find him I i didn't I, I wanted to see if he was alive i never i never not a very good blood trail hit him a little high and so after the after the bow season was over during the shotgun season i dumped a whole bunch of corn and it was on, in the snow like we got about six inches of snow early december and i dumped the corn in there And I'll tell you this in snow and late season, I feel like if a guy could bait in a, in a situation like that with a lot of snow, oh my God, like you would just have a ton of success, especially if you could have, you know, use a rifle it well. And I'm, I'm I'm saying this in Iowa, right? We don't, we can't, we can, we can feed them, but we can't bait them during the hunting season. Right. So, so I'm not hunting over that pile of corn because i had to go back to work i was just trying to get a a buck on camera and it was hundreds of deer i I dumped out a ton and a half of corn uh and it the pile was as big as my living room pretty much oh yeah just to try to get this deer and he he showed up but uh man if you like if if a guy could hunt in a scenario like like bait in a scenario like
1: that you'd kill any deer you wanted yeah you're right and that's and like i said here we don't get that late season snow, so even right. now, the big deer. And, and the thing is, like every everybody's baiting. Mm-hmm. So even if you've done everything right, he may go get spooked. You know, someone else, even even rifle hunting, may spook him off over there. Yeah. And once they figure out, so that that buck I was telling you about that Jay hooked into my corn pile. Yep. The next year, I got him one time right before bow season. I'm like, sweet, he's back. He ended up scoring one thirty-three, um, eight point with yeah. one sticker. So he's a real I am really nice eight point. He showed up, I'm like, sweet, he's back. So I you know put the coin back, but didn't was not just was not getting him on camera. Um yeah. not like I had a year before. I only got him three times. And I was like, well crap, he's just you know, he's moved on. And he kinda had, but um December eighteenth he got shot by one of the neighbors. I say neighbor, he was about a mile away. Yeah. Um but he, he I heard about a, a big eight point that got shot on this road. I'm like, oh I I know which one it is. And it's funny how when a big deer gets shot, then all of a sudden, how many people actually had him on camera? Oh yeah, because I, I kind of thought I had like the inside track. I'm like, I'm the only one who knows about this deer, you know. And everyone's like, Oh yeah, I saw him on so and so. But um, <laughs> any after he got shot, I just went. I, I had him like three, only three pictures of him all year. Yeah. After after he got shot, I went and started actually scouting around some, you know, December right around Christmas. And about eighty yards from my corn pile. I started finding rubs, you know, high rub. There was probably 50 or 60 rubs along the swamp bank. Every, every, every time you saw a deer come out of the swamp, there was a tree rubbed and there was a scrape. It was his, he was still there. He was coming scent, checking that corn pile and avoiding it. He was just avoiding being on it and yeah. being on the camera. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of my first, that was 2018. That's when I'm like, if I want to kill that deer, which like I said for North Carolina, one thirties is a really good deer. Um, just sitting here hoping a doe drags them by, you know, yeah. bow hunting, you know, is, you know, you kind of, you want to go get a little extra mile a little bit and kind of think outside the box. Yeah. And so I'm still in that process of kind of, you know, either, and so I, I've been hunting where I've, I've not used bait. I just sit on bean field, early, you know, bean field, early seasons, not terrible. You yeah. know, I've seen here um, the first doe I shot, that's what I was doing. I was sat on the edge of a bean field in the, you know, inside a corner came yeah. out, you know shot her um it's just a little it is it's just a hot it's not very comfortable when it's yeah. 91 and you're having to walk you got to really have your win right because you going to be sweating and you know um yeah. all that good stuff so yes, early season is kind of
0: yep yep well i tell you what man uh we're reaching an hour here and uh sam man i, I really appreciate you uh reaching out And coming on the podcast and talking about North Carolina, man, um, it's still, even though, you know, what you've said, it sounds like North Carolina has ample opportunity to hunt deer. Like for, you know, for, for anybody who would ever want to go there or even the residents, it sounds like there are deer available to hunt and the season lengths uh, allow there to be lots of opportunity to go and shoot deer
1: yes that's that's the thing is you, you've got you got the the length of the season you know definitely helps and then we do have quite a bit of public land um good i've not been much of a public land guy just because you know people say like why would i you know if i drive two hours to a private piece i want to pass you know three different public land spots i'm the opposite where there's a public land about an hour away but i'm literally go by free you know permission places i have you know yeah. to hunt so i've never and that's kind of been what a lot of people up until recently you could kind of hunt wherever you wanted because a lot of people just didn't deer hunt in the numbers that they did everywhere else. And you had these farmers who were like, please come shoot my deer. And, yeah. um, so, but I think there's two million acres of public land in North Carolina That's awesome. that can be hunted. And, um, i definitely see an uptick of people I've been talking to that are doing the mobile thing. And I eventually kind of want to get into that, you know, maybe hunt some public pieces and, and go do that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of deer here. Like so we get six tags, two bucks, four does, um you know there's definitely if you you know do some door knocking you can kind of you can definitely find some places to hunt how good they are you, you not know, you don't know but there'll be there'll be deer on them um yeah if you're looking to kill that you know booner this is probably not the place to come <laughs> yeah but uh, um if you want to do you know it is a good place to actually kill deer though good deal. as far as number number one
0: yeah, good deal. Well, Sam, man, I really appreciate appreciate your time. Thank you very much for hopping on, and good luck this upcoming season, man.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I hope I won't too nervous and talk too fast. A lot of people say, you know, thank think people in the South talk slow. It's like, you talk 100 miles an hour. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I appreciate it.
0: And there you have it, another episode in the books. Huge shout-out to Sam. Huge shout-out to the state of North Carolina. Huge shout-out to each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen. Huge shout-out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, The Woodman's Pal, and Huntworth. Please do me a favor and go out and support the companies that support this podcast. If you're a fan of this podcast and you trust my word, go check out these podcasts. these brands man really good brands other than that man again good vibes in good vibes out have a great and safe weekend spend some time with your family and if you're going to be in a tree man wear your damn safety harness